0: Danny Mac Show with BK, podcast powered by I
1: Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. You know, right now, I think we're pretty confident with the team we have going into camp. Um, I wouldn't rule out perhaps a few non-roster invitees that could be added,
2: but overall, we feel pretty good about what we're doing.
0: Wednesday edition of the show, Danny Mac Show with BK Tanner Hendrickson, our producer. That was John Moszaylock, president of baseball operations, as they wrapped up officially the deal for Yadier Molina, the one-year nine million dollar deal. Welcome into the show. The text line is open for you as always six five seven eight zero. So we had an off season for I would say. Let's go, BK. What do you think? November, December, January. That's three. Eh, most of February, about four months, nothing going on. Nothing. Then all of a sudden, oh, this guy, Nolan Arenado, he's here. Adam Wainwright, franchise icon, he's back. Yadier Molina, one year, nine million bucks. They traded away Dexter Fowler. Cardinals have $151 million in payroll right now. That's according to various outlets that uh, follow payroll and they look at bumps and those kind of things. But roughly $151 million. And Mo said, basically, as you heard, Hey, this is our team going forward. Now, Mo always says we start in spring training. This is what we got. Then you start looking at opening day. Then opening day hits. Then you look at the 4th of July. Then you look at the trade deadline. And once the trade deadline hits, you know, for sure, that's typically speaking, the team that you have going into postseason play or the stretch run outside of guys that, uh, you know, are through the waiver wires and those kind of things that happen at the end of the season. But meaning that it's a, f- a word that he likes to use, fluid. So here's what we have going into spring training.
2: Good morning. Good morning, Dan. Um, I think let's start with the rotation, shall we? Yeah. Because that's where we left things off yesterday before we heard these comments from Mo and we were talking about Jacob Oda and the possibility that, hey, you know, he could be a really good fit here in St. Louis. And there were reports that the Cardinals were maybe interested in him. I still think, I believe based on all the reporting that I've seen, I think they're interested in Jake Odorizzi. I think they would love to bring Jake Odorizzi in. I think they've got a number for what they would be willing to pay Jake Odorizzi to come in this year. And my guess is he's going to get more than whatever that number is. And so that's why I think that we're kind of coming back to this. I think the Cardinals this offseason, if I had to use a word for it, they're opportunistic. They're a team that is, if there's something that falls into their lap, they're more than happy to take advantage of that opportunity. But if it doesn't fall back to them, they're they're pretty comfortable with where they are right now. And Dan, I think there's one guy in the rotation that makes them feel that way. I know Cardinals fans aren't going to hear that. What oh, are you going this. with Lowe's? I'm going with Carlos. Yeah, Lowe's. I think Carlos Martinez might have changed the conversation a bit. I think if if he is truly back to form and they feel confident that he can at the very minimum get them to the trade deadline as a quality starter. I think it makes a lot of sense to go into the season as is. Now, if you don't have that belief, you need another starter probably to feel comfortable with it. But if you do believe in Carlos Martinez, what they're doing makes a whole lot of sense this course of action.
0: Yadier Molina was uh, obviously the main focal point of the press conference yesterday. His re-signing with the St. Louis Cardinals, but he was asked about Carlos Martinez. I uh,
2: saw so, uh, so, Carlos. He looked really good.
1: He looked really good. He looked um the hit his fastball, everything was working for him. Uh, he looks more mature, you know, like he's more in the game. I'm,
2: and right now, I'm happy for him. I mean, happy for him. Wow. Wow. The little that I can see, uh, the game that i facing over there, it was really good. The slider was good. I mean, hopefully, he can stay like that for, for us this year. I'm, I'm helping
0: out. So the Winter Ball Caribbean Series and what he played in, he had three starts, went 1-0, 14 and two-thirds innings. And that is a lot of innings for a guy that is, quote-unquote, an established major leaguer, and he is. By numbers of major league service and, and years that he's performed, the fact that he has been a very good pitcher at times in his career, 1.85 ERA in those 14-plus, three earned, 11 hits, 15 strikeouts, six walks. He did hit four batters. Uh, oh. Hit four in 14 innings. Whoa. Whoa. That catches your attention a little bit.
2: Hey, he had 15 strikeouts, six walks, did hit four batters. Hold on there, Dane. You can't just slip that
0: one in there like that. Yeah, he hit four guys. (laughs) It's, uh, you know what? I'm all right with that. I kind of like it, actually. you know, I'm all right. Get a little edge in there, you know? Uh, I had no problem with that. But the thing is, the key was they were talking about his velocity. And and velocity to me is what was missing last year at, at times. Um, his velocity, BK, at that last start in Kansas City at the at, at the K was, I mean, it was like in the ninety, you know, one to ninety-two mile an hour range, and he's got to get that back. And I'm sure that's part of the the thinking here of of what Carlos is trying to do. Number one, be in shape when camp opens up because he knows he's going to have to fight for. The, I'm, I guarantee they have told him, look, man, you want to be in the rotation, you're going to have to earn it again. There there is no solid writing in pen that you're in the rotation, so. He got the message. Get your and here's the other thing for him. He's going to have to get his velocity going. Velocity's got to get back. That's something that he has to have. And if it's not there, he gets hit. Now when he de- when he doesn't have that velocity, man, he gets hit. So if he's in the bullpen or not, he could be a valuable piece to this team. And I feel like I'm on a I'm a broken record every time I say this because the guy is it's true though that talented. So, but I I, I think I'm with you. Is that if they don't go out and add a non-roster invitee or make a trade or sign somebody, you know, the fallback at, at your five position or five, six, whatever you want to call it is a Carlos Martinez. I'm okay with it. Especially if he comes in in shape and shows that velocity is there and he's ready to roll. Well, Dan, when he's been at his best, his his average velocity is what,
2: 95, 96? Somewhere around there in terms good of the movement, average. He good can sink. Yeah. He can ramp it up if needed, but that's kind of where he sits most of the time. Last year, he was at 92, 93. Right. That's a huge difference yes. for the batter. I mean, right. a massive difference. And it's not just the fastball that that impacts it's also what happens to the changeup. then it's what happens to all of his secondary pitches when he doesn't have that sinker going everything else changes and so if you were the cardinals if you believe he's back to that 95 96 and we i haven't seen him up close in person i i don't know but the cardinals have plenty of scouting reports coming from what he's doing down in the caribbean you just heard what yadier molina had to say about him i don't think it is an accident that Yachty is signed. Yachty comes back. The Cardinals are now saying, I think we're good after the Caribbean series when Carlos Martinez, what was it? Four starts that he made down there. Three starts. Three starts. I don't think that's an accident. I don't.
0: Jim Bowden was a part of uh, the show and asked, it was your show, correct? Mm -hmm. And I I was listening to this. I really enjoyed it. This caught my attention, too. He was asked if the Cardinals should add a
1: starter. Odorizzi does have a lot of interest out there. The Toronto Blue Jays have been in on him. The Red Sox have been in on him as well. Uh, The Twins are open to reunion with him as well. So there's a lot of competition there for St. Louis. But, you know, this time of year, when you're a GM and you're sitting here on February the 5th, and you have guys on the open market, you're touching base with a lot of them in case all of a sudden you can get a steal deal that you're not expecting.
0: And that happens. Sometimes guys fall in your lap. James Paxton is out there, Taiwan Walker, Trevor Rosenthal, by the way, the former Cardinal closer, is still there, Rick Porcello, uh, Jake Arrieta. I mean, there's some interesting names that are out there, and they're going to find teams. It's going to happen, uh, including Jake Rizzi, who we talked about yesterday. So... I am fascinated what non-roster invitees, if any, but especially non-roster invitees the Cardinals want to bring in because I still look at the lower half of the lineup, and I know that the Cardinals are saying we want to go with these young guys. But, man, it would, it would be nice to have a veteran presence to try to say, hey, you want to come in here and earn it? We're going to open up the door for you and let you come on in and, and say, yeah, we're going to give you a shot. We know what you could do. We're going to let you earn it, make this roster, and see what you got. and Again, Justin Williams, uh, you know, the the list of characters that we have here, Austin Dean, who, by the way, has options so that's not a pressurized situation with him, others that we're talking about, you want to give them playing time, and the only way you do that is to not have these veterans around, but yet, I don't want to waste time. I don't want to waste time trying to figure out whether or not these guys can play. I want to win. And that's something you got to think about. Do you think Nomar Mazzara could be a non-roster
2: invitee type of a guy? Yeah,
0: I do. I've been looking at some of these guys.
2: Because you're looking, at least I would be looking for a left-handed bat in the outfield. I'm looking left-handed guys. Because really what I'm talking about here is insurance for Justin Williams. I don't know what Justin Williams is going to be. If he's going to be a really good player for them, if he's going to have that loud power, the way we talk about loud contact, the way we talk about with him, then great. And I'm all for him getting an opportunity. But if he shows up to spring training and it looks like you've said last spring training looks, I'd like to have a little bit of insurance there for another guy that could potentially come off of the bench for you as a lefty bat in the late innings.
0: As we talked about, too, I'm just not sold BK yet. Now, I know Major League Baseball and the Players Association came together and they've got the protocols and we're ready to roll. And those are some of those protocols are about the rules of the game. I'm still not sold that there's not going to be a DH, a universal DH. I'm just not. I mean, remember, we were basically at the first pitch of the season last year, literally at the season to start, and they brought in the DH. I I, I just think there's something there that could happen. I mean, pitchers have not hit for two years. And when they do hit, they hit about... Terrible. Yeah. You know, one
2: ten. Are you ready at this point? Like, as a, I am, yeah. I would I, imagine you were in I'm favor a, of the National League style for a long time. Totally. Have, have you converted now after watching it for a year?
0: I, I can do both. I, I I'm okay with either side. I am a traditionalist. I would like to see the pitcher hit, um, but after watching the DH, I, I'm okay with it. And I think coming off of last season, again, I think we got to protect guys and get them out. Just do it.
2: And this is another way we talk so much about getting action into the game, bringing more action. this is a way to bring more action if you're a kid going out to the ballpark with your dad, your mom, your sister, whoever and you want to have something that is a more entertaining product I understand that there are a lot of people that totally hate this style but it is a more entertaining style of play. It is.
0: It is and I uh, can't believe I'm going to say it it is, it is BK it's more fun um, I do a lot of the, uh, when we're back to normalcy. I'll do this again. So we have the season ticket holder events down at the Cardinals and so Mo will come in and or it might be billed with the third or whomever from the front office and we do a Q&A and, and they, they're very open. I mean, you can ask anything you want. I guarantee every time And I mean, it could be the, at the trade deadline. Okay. And the team is doing well and they're thinking, all right, they got to do this, this, and this. One of the first questions always was, are they going to bring in the DH? Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of fans here in St. Louis, they don't want it. But I wonder to your, to your point with me is I didn't want it either, but I saw it and I was like, Hey, this is okay. This is all right. You know what I mean? I think people kind of turned a little bit with it that said it's all right. And The other thing, if you're trying to engage the fan and make this more exciting and bring more people in, the DH is where you go. And if there's
2: a team that could use it, it is the Cardinals, especially with the way that they want to use their late-inning relievers this year. They've got a bunch of dudes that could go two innings, but if you've got uh, one of them coming up in the next half of the inning, uh, it becomes a little more difficult to make sure that they're in there for the second inning.
0: It's a good This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by
1: I Promise.
2: The Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN alongside Danny Mac, I'm Brandon Kylie. Happy to go out to the Brown and and celebrity line. Rob Main's joining us here on the show. He's a writer over at Baseball prospectus. You might know him as the guy behind something <laughs> called pacota Projections. Rob, always appreciate the time, man. How you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, though I will not take credit for being behind uh, the Pecota projections. That's our—that's our tech staff. I just do a lot of writing about it.
2: Yeah, 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 Rob. We're the—we're the, we're the <laughs> ones, though, that get to yell at you about the projections because they hate the Cardinals. Can you tell our fans why they hate the Cardinals?
1: Yeah, well, I wrote an article yesterday about this, and I was being a little tongue in cheek. But for the mm-hmm. last eight years, Pecota has undershot the record of the Cardinals. Now. In fairness, last year we said that they'd win 30 and they won 30, but we thought that would be a 30-and-30 team, and instead they were 30-and-28. And And most years it's been within a margin of error. But the fact is that uh, the projection system, and this is just an algorithm, it's not me, um, has been consistently a little bit low on the Cardinals. And in scanning what we're predicting for this year, you know, I think it'd be reasonable for Cardinals fans to think we're low again this year, suggesting an 81-and-81 team after acquiring, you know, the best
0: third baseman in baseball hey uh, i gotta ask you this and i'm really interested in uh how you come up with this so a lot of fans look at this and say okay well they got the cardinals right around 500 no way they just got nolan Arenado, they got paul goldschmidt they got jack flaherty and all that's true so let's let's dive into how you do this you you look at last season you look at numbers from previous years can you give us just kind of a, a snapshot of how you come up with these numbers
1: yeah, Pakota is our proprietary system for doing player projections, and so what we do is we project what we think everybody who will play major league baseball next season will do. And it's based a little bit on previous seasons. Take um, you know, the team that they might have moved to into account, how old they are, and then uh figuring out what a team's going to do is largely a matter of just summing all that up and then looking at who the competition is, um, which, you know, in my mind makes the 81, 81 for the Cardinals, a little bit of a head scratcher just because as you guys know, the NL central kind of spent the first few months off season, having a contest, see who could get worse, the fastest, but you know, in looking at the <laughs> team, Pocota likes your pitching a lot. Um, I think there's some questions about how long you're going to have Michael Martinez and Wayne you know, in the rotation, just given health and age issues. Um, but the concerns, uh, for Pico are more on the offense, the Cardinals have not been a great team getting on base, um, Certainly getting uh, Arenado helps, and amazingly, the swap of Arenado at third for Wong at second doesn't really hurt the defense, but I think there are some questions about offense, and that's what uh, the projection system is looking at.
0: You know, Rob, it's interesting. You're trying to project, and then you go back and look at past performance, and with last year being so odd and only 60 games, and we've been talking about it, I've been talking about it, that if you have guys coming back this year that are and all teams are doing this with only let's say you're a starter and you only threw 40 innings so teams are going to be so careful with what they do with innings coming into 2021 so you got to really look at depth in a system does Pakota do that in terms of well how many arms are in the system so for instance the Cardinals have 21 guys on the 40-man roster that have pitched at the level of the big leagues and had some type of success. Does that go into the projections of Bakota?
1: Yeah, absolutely. What we do is we project for each team. And this is is not just an algorithm. This is human intervention. We try to project for each team the proportion of innings that each pitcher is going to get. And for the Cardinals, just looking now, I think we've got 20 guys on um, our projections. Seeing time at some point in the during the season you know there's questions like how much of jordan hicks you're going to get but absolutely the the depth becomes an important factor particularly you know a team like st louis you've got sort of a drop off in uh quality of starting pitching once you get past the top five
2: we're talking to rob Mains here on 101 esp and he's a writer over at baseball prospectus and baseball prospectus is behind the pakoda projections that we've been talking so much about over the last 24 hours rob one of the projections that really stood out to me and Honestly, if this is what they get out of that player, I kind of get how the Cardinals wouldn't end up as an 81 win team. It's Dylan Carlson and the projections have him hitting just 218 next year. If that were the case, I don't think the Cardinals would be very good offensively. Now I am curious from you, from your side of things, how does that projection get put together? Because he had such a weird year. He was, he struggled when he yeah. came up, but he, this is a guy that was one of the top prospects in all of baseball. How difficult is it to project a player like that, given how little of a sample size we have from him at the big league level?
1: Exactly. Yeah. When I was, I, I made a list of everybody on the Cardinals roster and I put a circle around him and also Paul DeJean Cause I, you know, those those numbers I think seem really conservative to me. The concern with Carlson is yeah, his very limited playing time but he didn't have a great season, obviously, last year. And the fact is, look, he's one of the top prospects in the game. We rate him number 16 overall among prospects, but he's also only 22. And I think what Pakota Pakota doesn't like really young guys or really old guys. And I think that there is some caution built in on a guy who's that young, who struck out a ton last year, didn't have a lot of contact, what he might do. Um, I would certainly be, Pretty disappointed if I were a Cardinals uh, fan, if I were in the Cardinals front office, if you didn't get more than you know the 600-odd OPS that we're projecting for him next year.
0: How about Nolan Arenado? What what kind of difference do you think he makes with this team uh, just moving forward here in 2021?
1: He addresses so many issues for the team. You know, obviously, Tommy Edmond was a good third baseman, but... Um, It was kind of a fill-in because Matt Carpenter's gotten old, and you're replacing both of them with a gold-glove caliber third baseman who's also one of the best power hitters in the game, who also brings a lot of on-base skills to a team that needs uh, on-base skills. It kind of checks every single box the Cardinals could want. And as you know, they kind of got him for a, a handful of magic beans. They didn't have to dig into the farm system, give up any top prospects. It was a great trade.
2: Rob, I wanted to ask you about a guy that I I am his defender and I don't know how this came to be. But here we are. Uh, Harrison Bader. If you look at in terms of like the value that each player has, your projections have him as the third most valuable Cardinals hitter going into next year. Why do the projections love Harrison Bader so much?
1: well it 's his glove, because um, when you 're looking at win's above replacement, what you 're looking at is mm-hmm. the total package a guy brings to a team and it, obviously i don 't need to tell you guys that harrison Bader 's bat has been a real disappointment, and i you know i don 't know how much better it 's going to get, but he 's got you know outstanding defensive chops. He's good on the base pass. That's where most of his value comes. You know, The question with him is going to be, does he hit enough to stick in the lineup? But then the follow-up to that is, if not him, who?
0: Interesting. How about with the re-signing of Yachty? Does that change anything? And, and what I mean by that is, if you're going to have a lot of guys pitching this year, and by all accounts, going back to the original point, we're going to have a lot of different guys maybe make in appearance this year because you're going to need arms. And this doesn't show up on a stat sheet how someone handles a pitching staff. So does Yachty come into projections at all? Do you think about those kind of things when looking at numbers like this?
1: Yeah, one of the things that we look at with pitchers is their ability to get close pitches called strikes or balls based on who's behind the plate and having Molina back there is obviously help. I think that's, that's, that's going to be a, some maker for the numbers, but more kind of a, I, you know, I, the word intangibles gets overdone, but that's certainly amazing, the yeah. ability to handle a pitching staff, uh, you, you got an unsurpassed guy there. So I think that will help the team out a lot as well.
2: Rob last question that I had for you. You mentioned that you had a couple of the hitters that were circled on your sheet whenever you wrote everybody down. Did you have anybody circled on the pitching side of things?
1: Uh, no, in terms of our projections, I think that what we've got is pretty realistic in terms of expectations. My, you know, my my concern is more whether they can get the innings come a little higher than what we've got than anything else. I guess if there's one guy I'd look at, um, our predict projection for Quanion uh, Kim, Kim, sorry, is I think a little pessimistic. Uh, but then I was looking, you know, we think of him, while well, he was a rookie. He's also a rookie. He's 32 years old. And like I said, Pico is not a big fan of aging pitchers. That's why it's, a, you know, tapping on the brakes a lot with Wainwright. Um, and with Martinez and Michaelis. I think they could both exceed expectations. But I'd look for what I'd hope for would be more upside there in innings than just about anything else, given their injury histories.
0: Hey, Rob, thanks for coming on and shedding some light on this. I appreciate it very much, and we do as well.
1: Thank you. Good talking to both of you.
0: Appreciate Thanks. the opportunity. You bet. That's Rob Mains and uh, explaining a little bit the behind the scenes, pulling the curtain back with Picotta. Uh I'll tell you where KK can get some, some mileage. Remember last year you stayed in the uh, division. Rest of the league hasn't seen him. That's something to think about. Yep. See, those are the intangibles that I talk about a lot that, you know, Yachty and pitch for, whatever. Yachty, dealing with sorry I <laughs> just give me whatever but yadi uh dealing with that pitching staff it's a big deal it
2: is It's and a big
0: deal man that's a big big deal
2: dan i was listening to an mlb network radio interview yesterday they had their players um takeover right where the players are on mlb network radio all, all week this week and one of them was asked about Yair I, I was listening to this and it, it's just the players will tell you they will. When those guys speak so highly, um, unprompted about yep. certain guys, it tells you everything you need to know about who that guy is and what kind of a player they are. And for for the guys that were on the radio yesterday, they talked about how when they're up to bat and Yadi or Molina is behind the plate, especially if it's not like a huge situation, they're picking Yadi's brain. Then yep. when they are at the plate, they're getting ready to hit the pitcher, and they're picking Yadi's brain. That's the kind of thing that he brings to the table. You cannot quantify that. Nope. I'm a numbers guy. I love looking at this stuff. It is literally impossible to quantify the type of thing that Yachty brings to the table.
0: Uh, this is from the 314. My takeaway from that interview, Rob knows that Picota's projections for the Cardinals are bogus, and it's probably safer <laughs> to say more like 85 wins. I, I think he was leaning towards probably mid to high 80s yeah. as he was looking at that. I appreciate him coming on. I mean you know, explaining this. He knew he... By the way, you booked the interview and he said... Well, I said to you, I said, does he know what's gonna, he's walking into?
2: <laughs> yeah. And I told, uh, when I
0: emailed him, he, he gets it. I
2: think this is the thing that people sometimes lose sight of with these types of projections. A lot of these guys are every bit as cautious about throwing out these numbers as we are looking at them. They would tell you, do not take this to the bank. This is just based on the numbers that we have projected. Yeah. They may agree or disagree with what their numbers are that they're spitting out. He specifically said. I think we're really pessimistic on KK, on Paul DeYoung, on Dylan Carlson. So that's one of the guys that works at Baseball Prospectus saying, I think we're off on this. And I think the, the one that stands out to me the most, having Dylan Carlson projected for 220 with a 285 on base percentage and about a 650 OPS, if that ends up being what. Dylan Carlson is next year, I totally understand how they get oh. to eighty one wins.
0: Cardinals are in trouble. Yeah. I would be very,
2: very, very surprised if that's how he hits next year.
0: NL Central, uh, don't look at it. Look at me. You look at me right now. I'm looking at okay. you. Okay. Uh how many do you remember how many uh I have it in front of me, how many wins they projected for the Pirates. I do not i know the uh Brewers were at eighty nine. I, I actually think for the Pirates it's a little high. I'll go through these here in a second, but take a guess. 68. 61. Oh. I was thinking 60.
2: Yeah. I I wouldn't be surprised if they end up with 110 losses next year.
0: Could be. Could be. So They're got, that bad. They got Milwaukee at uh, 88, 89. Yeah, 88.8. 8, so rounded up, 89. Uh, Chicago, 85. Cardinals were 80.6. Cincinnati, 79.1. Pittsburgh was 61.1. Now, if you're in the West and we've talked about it, the two halves are. The Dodgers and the Padres. Everybody else is kind of the have-nots. Now you're Colorado, and you wake up this morning and read Pecota, and you're a baseball fan, and they've just your team has just traded Nolan Arenado. Take a guess what their projected oh, win total it's is? it's got to be like 71,
2: 72 in that division.
0: Sixty-point-three.
2: Oh. Whoa, whoa. 60.3. Oh, if you're Jeff Breidich and you're reading that, <clears throat> I, Jeff Breidich wouldn't do this because he's, he's a dunce. Um, but if you were a guy that knew what you were doing and you were Jeff Breidich, you'd have to be like, man, why are we holding on to Trevor Story right now? What are we doing?
0: This I, is I, silly. I, I just I got to wonder if if you're sitting in that seat, you, you have to approach him in spring training and have a, a face-to-face, I would think, and say, hey, is there any chance we're keeping you and if not, the, the greatest value we got with you is a full year of control with somebody, and we're going to get the best package we can, and, and that's where you go. I, I think that's how you have to do it.
2: The the tough part for them is where where do you send them because I – LA's going to be looking. That's the one. They're you know? the team that makes the most sense. Like. Yep. It, they they were interested in Arenado. I would be stunned if they wouldn't also be interested in bringing in Trevor Story.
0: And they have money coming off the books even with Bauer going there for 45 million in year 2 of the deal. Yep. He's getting 40 million this year and 45 next. And if they're willing to go over the luxury tax, then it doesn't even matter. Even they're, if they didn't. I think 22 BK over the luxury tax or 26 million mm-hmm. this year. It's unreal. This is the Danny Mac show with BK. The podcast powered by I
1: Promise. Cardinals are a top ten uh, rotation easily if Jack Flaherty is what we thought that he was coming into last season. I think all kind of expect him to be. He was getting Cy Young talk last year. I think there were a lot of reasons. The
0: shutdown, obviously a lot of difficulties for the Cardinals with playing baseballs against a mattress for a week and a half. Everybody gets a lot of the issues they had and how that kind of messed up Flaherty's season a little bit. But Flaherty, for this rotation to really be what it needs to be, Flaherty needs to be an ace. And he was not an ace last year. Will Leach yesterday from MLB.com on the show. Danny Mac, BK, Tanner Hendrickson. Uh, Tanner, don't you dare go anywhere. He was, you know, folks out there, t- Tanner was yelling at us during the break talking about this rotation. He said, guys, I- I'm just not high on the rotation. Tanner, the floor is yours, okay? You're yelling at us. I don't understand this.
3: I, I wasn't yelling. It yes, was, you were. Uh, BK,
2: j- jump in here. His voice gets loud sometimes, it Dan. Does. I don't Gosh. know if it was a yell, but I would say it was a, uh, a stern talking. Joke. Aggressive.
1: Yeah.
3: All right, well, then I'll just continue my yelling then. I I think Flaherty will return back to his form. I don't know if he's going to be the Cy Young that we saw in 2019 in his second half where he was just dominant. He's the only guy that I really have faith in in the Cardinals rotation. And I say that, and I realize that Adam Wainwright was fantastic last season, but I don't know how he will hold up. He's older. I don't know how he's going to hold up in a full 162. KK, I compare him to a Miles Michaelis and a... Uh, Suguan O, oh, guys that came from overseas had a great first season and then fell off. I believe Ozzy already jumped up almost th- three runs or two, two and a half, I think it was in his second season with the Cardinals. And I get it, he's a reliever, not a starter. And then I look at Miles Michaels, I don't know what he's going to be coming off the injury. I think he's more of a 2019 guy, which is fine, but it's not a two a number two that I think you'd really want in a rotation. And then that fifth spot. I hate to say this because I think it's going to happen, even though I don't want it to. I think C Mart's the starter, and I am not a C Mart guy. C Mart is too wild for me. Four hit batters in three starts in winter ball slash Caribbean series, and you add six walks on top of that. I would rather see Reyes get that fifth starting spot. If he does, then I feel fine. I just I would rather I would like to see them go get another starter, add someone like an Oteriz that gives you depth, someone that you know. Uh, guys, Let's
2: operate as is, though. If we operate under the assumption that they're not going to do that, because it sounds like all right, they're well, probably that's, not.
3: That's boring. I, I don't like—I want Odorizzi. I To me, this rotation does not compare—I don't think it's a top-ten rotation. I'm not even sure it is top 15. And I know that they're 10th in the latest article on ESPN in their rankings. hmm I don't have faith in the rotation. I just don't. I think there's too many question marks for this Cardinals rotation heading into this season. I think we underrate how many
2: questions other teams
0: have as well. Absolutely.
2: And we do that sometimes because we are so focused locally on what the Cardinals have and focused on what they don't have, frankly. We don't sometimes look outward. And look at, okay, what about, like, the Arizona Diamondbacks? I'm looking at this article from ESPN.com. They are rated, according to ESPN, as the 12th best rotation in baseball going into next year. Zach Gallen, former Cardinals farmhand. Madison Bumgarner, who's got some questions going into next year. Luke Weaver, Merrill Kelly. Like, are are these guys that you're super excited about that you've got no questions about? No. Every team in baseball has questions in their rotation. I think what makes the Cardinals unique, and, Dan, I'm with you on this, certainly – I think they have more potential answers to those questions than most other teams do. Because let's say Waino goes down to an injury or he ends up not being as effective as he was a year ago over 162, which is very possible. They've got somebody else that's right there ready to go to step up in that place if need be. If it's Waino and Carlos that falter, if Michaelis isn't back to form, they've got three arms that can come straight in yep. and get into that rotation to fill into those spots. Other teams don't have those potential answers behind them. And so that's why I'm higher on them. It's as much about quantity as it is about quality for the Cardinals
0: rotation. And I'm not so sure that a lot of these pitchers uh, are going to go very deep early on. I think teams are going to be banking innings. And to your point of having quantity, so get your starter through five in April in his starts, or six, or build him up through seven. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of that in the first couple of months across the board in Major League Baseball. So then the question becomes your staff, not just your starting five. And I, I and I understand from a fan's perspective and my perspective too. Like I I like going down to spring training and seeing who's going to battle for the fifth spot. Yes, it's nice to talk about here's our five, but yet what's really going to be important for them is the the total roster construction of middle relief and who can give you multiple innings coming out of that bullpen because your starters in my opinion are not going to be going very deep and I think Tanner does bring up some very good points oh, absolutely really good points you know Wayno is going to turn 40 at one point uh, this season so y- you've got to make sure and bank him and be careful with him uh the Michaelis injury again y- you want to hope Fingers crossed that he he gets through 162, and by all accounts, talking with Mo the other day, he said, hey, he's he's healthy. He's ready to go. But until you start getting into live action, you just don't know, and it's every fifth day, and you get into that routine. Sometimes things happen. KK, I'm going to make the point again. That the league figured out Sung Wano. He was deceptive with what he did coming out of the bullpen. Very deceptive and how he hid the ball. He had a great first year. league figured him out. And that was the case with him. With KK, going back to my original point earlier in the show, not much of the league has seen him. And that's something to keep in mind. So I, I'm I'm a little bit more bullish on him than maybe others. Flaherty, I think Jack Flaherty's gonna have a big year. Uh we saw when Flaherty finally was built up and it took a while to build him up. The Cardinals were so cautious with him after the shutdown of of the seventeen days. Remember his first start? He went about forty. 45 pitches. That was it. They were very, very cautious in every start, and then by the end of the year, they let him go, and he was awfully good, really good. So I, I would anticipate Flaherty's going to be back to, I'm not sure, the second half of two years ago. That was historic, but a very good front-of-the-rotation-type starter, and then you let it battle it out with Martinez and Reyes. Now, this is what intrigues me with Martinez. If his velocity is there, and he's got starter stuff, so don't get me wrong. If he's right, he should go in a rotation rotation. And be every fifth day and you roll him out there and, and go. But if with Jordan Hicks and you're gonna ease him in to closing, you're not gonna just throw him out there and he's your closer and he's gonna go every two out of three, three out of five, that kind of thing, four out of seven. You're not gonna do that. He's too precious of a guy in the back end of games as a and he throws 102 miles an hour. There's you know, the actual you know science of a guy throwing that hard, you want to be careful. You've got a guy now, two guys in Reyes and Martinez at a back in the end uh back end game experience so i I think you 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 have flexibility there, and Martinez, if velocity is up i I really like him. I always have liked him in the bullpen now, I know his stuff plays as a starter, I get it, but Reyes also has shown, especially at the end of last year, he could be a starter. The key will be day one of spring training. Can he command the strike zone? And if he is, then I, I he might have the inside track. We'll have to see
2: six, five, seven, eight O is the air comfort service tax line from the three, one, four guys, but the Cardinals don't have a number two or a number three in the pitching department. I don't have faith in Ponce, liberator Thompson yet. So where's all this great pitching depth that you guys talk so much about? Well, Ponce, Libertor, and Thompson is some of it. and
0: you, Ponce, you, I do. I, the other two, are, time will tell. Sure. Got to get some time in the minor leagues, probably in some innings.
2: And there are guys that are going to play into this more late in the season. Those are two guys. Early. Um, but you look at what they have going into the year. Oviedo is going to be somebody that if something were to happen, maybe he comes up. Jake Woodford's somebody that could be in that spot. Alex Reyes. You might see John Gant. Hinesis Cabrera. They've got all kinds of arms, and the other teams around the league do not have that. The question on the number two starter, though, is fair. If you're looking at just, and this is something we look at from the outside end, they don't necessarily need to worry about it, but if you were looking to kind of peg these guys as one, two, three, four, five starters, the Cardinals have a number one in Jack Flaherty, and he needs to be that. They they need a big year out of him for them to reach their pinnacle as a, as a staff. There is some question as to who's going to step up and be that number two. I think that's fair. I think KK could be that. I think we've seen in the past, Michaelis has been that at times, but if they don't step up to be that, yeah, maybe they're missing that number two high quality starter, but I'm happy with what they've got three through five after that. So that and that's not something I can say about other rotations. And Dan, I did look this up because we've talked so much about how important it is to have multiple arms. Cardinal starting pitchers by year in terms of the number of guys that started a game. 2019, you had seven of them. That was the lowest that you've had at any point over the last eight years. 2018, 11, 9, 8, 9, 12, 10, 8. You need at least eight guys that you feel comfortable with starting a game, especially going into this year after a 60-game season.
0: We are told, uh, Tanner, there's been a Cardinals trade, so some breaking
1: news. I
3: don't know if this is a... Big trade, but the Cardinals just announced we have acquired right-handed pitcher Johan Keza from the Phillies. I hope I'm pronouncing that right in exchange for cash considerations. Keza, twenty six, major league, major league debut last season for the Marlins, and will be added to the forty man roster, which now stands at thirty eight.
0: Stands at thirty eight. Kezada, I believe, is how you pronounce that name. Is that right? That that right that's That looks about how right. Looks right. Yeah. Okay. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise.
2: 65780 is the air comfort service text line to get involved in the show. It is the Danny Mac show with BK. Dan, let's get into this one from the 636 guys. My question is, I saw miles. Michaelis give up a lot of home runs over the last couple of seasons. What do you think the Cardinals do with that? How do they make sure that the ball stays in the yard for
0: Michaelis? Well, they got to call major league baseball and say dead in this thing. And they did. <laughs> um, that is a concern, but I would say this. Bush stadium is a very very fair ballpark for the most part. It's a pitcher's park, and it's something he's got to improve upon. Simply put, I mean, you got to keep the ball in the ballpark. That's something that's got to happen with him. And we'll see if that does happen with him. I, the one thing I love about Miles, he's a strike thrower. So a great portion of his home runs that he gave up are solo shots. You can live with solo shots. It's when you're walking people and you're giving up the three-run bombs that all of a sudden that becomes very hard to come back from.
2: Dan, if you were to look at the Cardinals roster today. What do you think is the most pivotal position? Like whether it be starting pitching, relief, infield, catcher, whatever? what do you think is the most pivotal position for the Cardinals to go to use Mo's words from good to great this year? I
0: think left field got to find out about one of these guys. And and that's because then it lengthens your lineup. So Tyler O'Neal, uh Lane Thomas. I don't know if you agree with this, but if you get one of those guys, imagine if one of those guys is solid. What that does to your lineup, I would say that's pivotal. And I would say the Tommy Edmond, being the Tommy Edmond of two years ago, if you could have a bona fide leadoff man, an on base guy, with his speed, yep. that's pivotal as well. Those are two guys that I look at. If you could have
2: it, if the Cardinals could have their pick, of they they hit the button and they say one of these two guys, when you hit this button, is going to reach their peak form this year: Tyler O'Neill or Lane Thomas. Given their profiles, given what that means for them, which one do you think they would pick?
0: If I'm Tony Rooster, I'm going tied for first, but I'm in talk radio, <laughs> so I can't do that. Uh, I would say Tyler O'Neill because Tyler O'Neill, you're going to have your fair share of strikeouts. That's coming. You, you know that's coming. That's part of the deal. Um, but if he can put the ball in play, it's going to be with damage. And it, that's what I think. What do you that, think a peak Tyler O'Neill season looks like? If you gave him 500 bats if he if he was at his peak form
2: let's let's make sure that's the disclaimer because you're not predicting this is what's going to happen but if he were to come into the season and he is peak tyler o'neill what does that look like
0: 25 home runs to 30 probably drives in 85 to 90 i would give him that do you think he bats fifth or sixth i'm gonna put him at sixth i'm gonna put him behind a young pretty damn good lineup if you could get that out of him and that's what I mean I mean think about lengthening your lineup if you can get that now I I would assume that Yachty's going to want to be 5th or 6th and he shouldn't he should be down in the line because you lengthen it that's what I. That's why this changes things Arenado changed everything another guy would really change it that's why a peak one of these guys stepping up taking the ball and running with it cliche but doing that man does your lineup change it changes. And hey, Tyler O'Neill's pretty good defensive player. So I'm not talking about defense. I'm talking about what he does to make this lineup look different. It's and what that I,
2: would. It's what happened for the Padres last year. Fernando Tatis Jr. took that next step of becoming a legitimate superstar. Yeah. And he changed everything about the way we looked at that lineup. That that lineup wasn't all that dissimilar from the year prior. What happened was Fernando Tatis Jr. Grew became up before a our eyes. star. Yeah. He, like was a transcendent player. And the Cardinals didn't have that guy grow internally, but they went in a acquired one it doesn't matter how you get that guy it never mattered how the cardinals acquired him it mattered that they got him and now they do who would be your guy i think i would go lane thomas actually because if you could get another guy in this lineup i think they've got the power now arenado de young and goldschmidt i think you've got pretty good power in that middle of the order if you could add one more guy that can hit 270 280 consistently Get on base at a pretty high clip and is just kind of your classic all-around Cardinals player. I think that really changes some things. He might be your leadoff hitter if he ends up being that guy.
0: Well, you make a great point, and I love that side of baseball. Baseball has changed Good to point. power. Good point. It just—it's just power, man. They—they they, like I'm watching guys. I, I, as we talk about all the time, I watch games nonstop. I record games. Okay, You're a crazy and, person. I, I do. And I'm watching these guys that get these contracts, and I'm thinking, the guy strikes out all the time, but he walks into a bomb and wins a game. Next day, he's hitting a couple of doubles. Then he goes over for 4, and looks like he's never played the game. And then the next day, he goes 1 for 4, hits a bomb, and they, you pay for power. That's the game today. And you accept the strikeouts, whether you like it or not. And it plays in the postseason. We just saw it with Jock Peterson. That's Look the whole what point. The
2: Dodgers had. It was the power. That's that's what
0: won them that world series. Apparently I've gone way over. I didn't realize it. It's 11 Oh two. Uh Time Let's check brought to you by Clarkson and Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jewelry. Sorry, buddy. Let's cross it over. What do you have coming up?
2: Coming up today, we've got Jared Diamond of the Wall Street Journal. Want to get his thoughts oh, that's on great. what we're going to look like whenever baseball does return? Will there be a DH? Are we going to get the expanded playoffs? We'll talk about all of that with Jared Diamond and Kerry Frazier, former NHL referee, will join us at twelve thirty. The Blues have some penalty problems. Is that on the Blues or is that on the refs, the way they're calling the game? We'll get into that with 12, uh, him at 1230. And uh, yesterday was a tough day for me, Dan. Um, lost a good friend. And I'd uh, I'd like to talk about it a
0: little bit in our open. So we'll do that coming up next. All right. Looking forward to that. Uh, Tanner, great job. And we'll talk to everybody tomorrow at 10 on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise.